0: Psalm 133, verse 1, a song of ascents of David. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Psalms 120 through 134 are a special group of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent, or Pilgrim Songs. Three times a year, Jews were required to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to observe festivals, and when they approached the city, they would walk uphill to enter in as Jerusalem was at a higher altitude. So many times in scriptures, you're going to see the references to going up to Jerusalem, not referring to the direction, rather the elevation. For example, in 2 Kings 24.10, it says, At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem and besieged the city. And Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 18, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. In John 2.13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Acts 21.12, when we heard this, We and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. So when pilgrims would approach Jerusalem, they would recite these psalms as they walked uphill to Jerusalem for encouragement, bringing back to memory the good things of God. Psalm 133 is a song David wrote about unity within the family of God and how good is it to be unified in the Holy Spirit with brothers and sisters in the faith. David describes this unity like precious oil on the head and then makes reference to Aaron, who was the first priest to be called by God to intercede on behalf of his people. In Exodus twenty-eight forty-one. it says, And you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Exodus 29, 6, And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban, You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. So anointing Aaron, it's kind of like swearing into office in our modern day. It's the formal process by which a person is recognized as now officially occupying that position. And in the case of Aaron, as well as his sons, they were anointed into the covenant between God and Israel as priests. And only their descendants would be allowed to be priests. And oil in the scriptures can be seen as a picture of the Holy Spirit. And oil that is poured on Aaron's head and beard could be thought of as God commissioning Aaron by pouring out his Holy Spirit upon Aaron for the work God had called him to do. And in our church, when someone is commissioned by God to do something, what we refer to as a calling, we'll anoint them with oil using this symbolic act to declare that person officially in that role. And my pastor and our elders did this when they asked me to be a deacon for our church years ago. And I was already serving in that capacity without the title, and I really wasn't interested in the title. But to make it official, we gathered in the pastor's office. They all prayed for me and anointed me with oil. And not only was I accepting this calling for our church, but now I was reminded that it was official. And I was expected to abide by 1 Timothy 3 and the qualifications set forth in that passage. And I was now accountable to God for this new role. And in our ceremony, we expect the Lord to be in the midst of this calling in that moment and moving among the believers in the room. And that's why we lay hands on a person in a ceremony like this. It's a connection between all of us participating through human touch that represents unity as the Holy Spirit moves through us all simultaneously in a sacred moment, which impacts each one of us. It's beautiful when all those who are gathered together and praying actually trust in the Lord. It's like a glimpse of heaven. And incidentally, this is why we don't take these positions lightly. Our qualifications for leadership are based on 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the witness these men and women are already exhibiting. And we don't ask somebody to be in ministry if they're not already doing the work of the ministry in their own lives at home, the workplace, etc., because putting the wrong people in leadership is toxic to the church, and the problems these people can bring into the body of Christ destroys unity. I had a conversation recently with a guy who attends another church and they are experiencing what is commonly referred to as a church split, where a bunch of people pack up and leave the church over some cause that can vary from egregious sin in the church to the color of new carpet. But what a church split really is, it's the devil worming his way into that church and destroying unity. And putting unqualified people in positions of leadership is a good way to roll out the red carpet for the devil. But when brothers and sisters are dwelling in unity of the Holy Spirit within the congregation, God is right there in the midst, and it is beautiful. We get to see the hand of God blessing the church. And Paul hits on this in Ephesians 4, where following a verse heard many times on this podcast, he elaborates why God puts certain people in certain positions. Ephesians 4.11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Now, David, who wrote Psalm 133, he lived about a thousand years before Paul. And if he could have read Ephesians 4, he would have been all over it. Because unity does many good things. And David experienced this. It builds up the body of Christ. It brings about more knowledge, as Paul was saying. It helps us to remain stable when confronting false teaching And it warns us of deceitful teachers. It's a way to stay spiritually safe and grow in our relationship with Jesus as the head of his church of true believers. And David, in verse 3 of this psalm, and the psalm is only three verses long, he refers to the dew of Mount Hermon. And John Calvin makes a good comparison in his commentary on this psalm regarding the dew of Mount Hermon. He says that a holy unity has not only a sweet savor before God, but it is productive of good effects, as the dew moistens the earth and supplies it with sap and freshness. I like that description. Unity moistens that which is dry. I've had seasons in my journey with Jesus where my spiritual life seemed to be really dry, like a parched desert lacking every good thing. And I recall in these times, I isolated myself from other brothers and sisters in our church, and that contributed to my dry spirit. But in these times, I also hung out with believers from other churches, and I found that to be helpful, getting refreshed by their encouragement. And even though we had some differences of opinion regarding church things, we were still children of God. And I found getting away from my own church for a while was actually very refreshing. And then when my heart was right with the Lord, I returned and continued in my role at our church. And it is good to have others in our circles from other church camps so we can learn from them and appreciate their relationship with the Lord and maintain that bond of the Spirit, that unity. And we have believers from other churches coming to our home study and hanging out with everyone afterwards. It's awesome. But it's really weird how churchgoers can feel like they're betraying their church if they hang out with believers from other churches or other theological camps. It's like they feel they are owned by their church. A lady left our church a while ago and returned to a church she had attended in the past, and I totally gave her my blessing because I knew she wanted to go and she left on good terms. And her daughter told me that the former pastor welcomed her back and in the presence of her daughter made the statement to the lady, you were mine first. Okay, that's creepy. But sadly, that is the way some people think. You go to my church, therefore I own you. And that's demonic, in my opinion. My wife and I, we occasionally visit other churches because I like to hang out and meet other believers, especially when we're on vacation. And attending a good Sunday or midweek service in a different city or country in a few cases is really cool, and it promotes this unity. And in our local community, we sometimes see people that we've met in the past that have left our church, and it's really not a big deal. And they're happy where they are. And as long as they're serving the Lord, I'm fine with it. We can still have unity. If they left because they are church shopping for a church that will not make them feel bad when they are steeped in sin and refusing to repent, then I have an issue with that. But that's between them and the Lord. That's not my deal. And I usually don't visit churches that neglect teaching people to repent of their wickedness because usually that church is full of unrepentant pew warmers, and that's not good for anyone. And there's a whole lot of those churches operating all over the world today. So the unity of believers, it's huge. And finding that small group of believers you can hang out with that are like-minded in crucial areas of theological issues is a blessing. The secondary issues really don't matter, in my opinion, and usually cause the most division within the body of Christ. And when we keep the unity of the church focused on Jesus, you can plan on seeing the hand of God move in your group. And it's indeed sweet. And as David wraps up Psalm 33, he says, For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There is unity he's referring to. We receive blessing from God when we're unified, and that ultimate blessing, that ultimate unification comes when we are with the Lord forevermore. Thank you.